right, and we're back once again with the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to our shows. And in this time that we're going through right now, we just truly appreciate you listening to us even more. Cannot thank you enough for taking the time to do so. I hope you got a chance to listen to Laker Tom and myself from Lakerholics.net on yesterday's program where we talked quite extensively about the situation going on and how we should handle it best as far as not only the league centered you know, and how they should take care of it, but mainly about how we as human beings should take care of the, the situation that goes on. And uh, here today to talk about that situation, the stuff going on as far as the protests, uh, obviously the, the stuff that's going on centered around so many different inactions that have been taking place so far many years that finally we should be doing something much more about is my good friend right here. He, you got to check out what he's doing today at NBA Draft Junkies. And please check out his great stuff. I mean, he's got a great podcast, YouTube channel, website. It's so depressing, my friend, when I go to the NBA Draft stuff and I see your stuff right here and I see something by a 14-year-old done right here, right here as far as promotional, man. It's just kind of discouraging when I see that. It's like, man, his stuff is better. His stuff is better. So you got to check out everything that he does today at NBA Draft Junkies because it deserves it. There's some really great stuff. Go into detail on draft profiles and so much more. It is Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, thanks so much for being part of the show. And yeah, just so frustrating, man, when I see those YouTube channels do breakdowns. It's been like, a little high voice and I just graduated from seventh grade, but I can give you the lowdown on the top ten on my mock draft. No problem. Thanks for the for the plug and the compliment. Uh, it's um, just frustrating yeah, oh. me. Hey, you know, this is someone from someone who gets far less views than you, and it's, it's frustrating me even more. Well, those kids were me. I just wish I had the platform to, you know, YouTube when I was 14 years old. I probably would have had True. my own channel too. So True. I, I respect those guys. And um, But, yeah, I, I think eventually um, I'll, I'll be one of the top sites that people go to for draft stuff. It's just going to take some time. Well, did you know that you're on Tankathon? Yeah, I, I noticed that last year. I forgot which video it was, but I noticed I had a spike in views. And so um, I was on Tankathon. I haven't seen it much this year. Maybe I am, but I know last year there were quite a few videos from my site that were used on Tankathon. But well, I noticed it was probably like guys that were late first round, second round guys. Mm, I'm I haven't say... checked it. I've been checking. I've been okay. doing some extensive research, and I'll tell you why later in the episode. You okay. might get a kick out of that. But, yeah, your your videos are on Tankathon profiles of some of the uh, higher draft profiles. A lot of it is related to international because that's something you have a great expertise on is the international prospects where you see other draft sites are very vague in mm -hmm. their descriptions and their profiles of international prospects. Yours comes across very clear, and I truly like your videos where you actually do some great breakdowns on the strengths and also the areas of improvement. I don't want to say weaknesses, but mm -hmm. areas of improvement, as you say, uh, that a lot of these draft choices really need. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I, I still obviously like the American prospects, but I think that 
lane that I could have where there's not as much traffic in is um, actually doing the same video breakdowns on the European prospects. And like I said last year, I think I mentioned in one of the uh, previous podcasts, Gogo Batadze was the most viewed video breakdown I did last year. I mean, he had more views than Zion and RJ and all those guys combined. And so I just think it's because the American fans are familiar. Like, you're probably not going to go to my site looking for a Zion Williamson breakdown. But I think with, with Goga, for example, I remember when I posted it, I think the whole Republic of Georgia watched the video and followed me on Facebook. And, and uh, you know, I was getting messages in their native <laughs> language that I couldn't read. So I imagine it was all positive. But... He was someone that I actually had a chance to see in person a few years before, so I was familiar with him before he was on the draft boards. Well, I, I'm happy for your success. It is 11,000 subscribers on YouTube, plus <laughs> it's official now. It's 11,100 from what I saw. So yep. congratulations on your success and continued going forward. And people need to check it out, NBA Draft Junkies. If you're looking for a breakdown, and you know the draft I understand will probably not be coming till what, October, or, you know, there's mm -hmm. a possibility it's not going to come to that later, or even November. But, you know what, it, it you, you need to start looking now, if you really have a, an eye on what's going on, and the NBA Draft Junkies, it's the place to go. All right, my friend, a lot of tough things that we're going through. I've been checking out a lot of social media, including what, you know, you've had to say as well, some very troubling times. But as I said on yesterday's show, it's a vicious cycle. It just seems mm -hmm. to get, you know, it's been going on for hundreds of years. Just yeah. a vicious cycle going back forward and forward and forward. And we're speaking out and protesting and doing all these things again that we have done before and should be more forceful about, especially from people of my ethnicity, about the wrongs and the injustices uh, in our lives. And, you know, obviously it's been culminated with the, the unfortunate death and murder of George Floyd, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on this, but also a little later on, I also wanted to hear your thoughts on how the NBA, which you know has been of the four major sports in this country, more progressive, mm -hmm. how they should be able to handle it. But I want to hear your thoughts and the floor is yours, my friend. I want to know exactly uh, in this type of situation, what is it that we truly need to be looking for? It's tough to watch. I mean, I've been glued to CNN for the last four days now. I don't think I've posted a video on my site. And then I have one that I'm ready to upload, but I just feel like... It's not the, not the right time, right? Yeah, I just feel like a lot of people aren't paying attention to sports. I mean, maybe they are. I mean, I have seen Woj tweet, but it just seems like this story is the dominant story of not only just here in the States, but, but in the, the world. The world is watching. And in my opinion, I think I may have a different view because I've, I've been fortunate enough to live in different parts of the world. And um, I've heard like the opinions of non-Americans about Americans. And then I've also seen how I think that in a sense, we kind of have like an American arrogance where we never thought that this would happen here. We never thought that there'd be like a disease that would come out and have the country on lockdown. We never thought that we'd have, you know, like choppers flying above DC or 
the military and National Guard being called into multiple cities. So I think for America, we have to look at ourselves and realize that we're not much different than some of these other countries that you see in the Middle East. We always like to speak out on human rights issues around the mm -hmm. world. Hong Kong is probably the latest that we've that, yeah. you know, talked about. But yet we haven't handled our own human rights issues very well in our own country. Yeah, it's just kind of been with the, you know, kind of like just putting a Band-Aid over a wound that has been going on for a while. And then I think that what's going on with the, the pandemic, what happened in Minnesota, and then Trump kind of fanning the flames is just kind of like a perfect storm of things that have all come together at the same time. And so, um, because, I mean, I think that is the reason because we've there's been videos of police brutality before um you know he's not the first person to say i can't breathe and that it, it end up you know making the news i mean i forgot what year it was but a bunch of the nba players were wearing the i can't breathe t-shirts so kobe's not uh, the on the laker time. forum kobe mm -hmm. on the lakers forum he's been showing his i could just tell you from my experience living in los angeles up until the year 1995 one of the most memorable moments for me was the racial tensions during Rodney King uh, mm -hmm. and those issues. And, and just, you know, I, my car broke down on uh, about just a year after it happened at Florence and Normandy, You're right at the flashpoints of those riots. So, you, you know, I was there and I felt the nervousness. I felt the tension even a year later. So it, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's just so, you know, something that should have been eradicated a long time ago but we just have tried to ignore it and push it to the side as far as people of my color and it's fine you know it, it you know it is late we're doing this and I, I cannot apologize enough to everyone out there for for what people of of my ethnicity have done and treated for so many years but i don't know what to say at this point man i don't know what to say yeah i mean it's just being recorded now i think that's the biggest difference um that there's evidence and i don't know what can happen from all of this but one of the things that i'm seeing is that there's so many people that are standing up for what's right so it's not like it's a you know it's all black protesters and it's not black versus white it just seems like it's right versus wrong and so i've been seeing people from all different ethnicities and colors coming together and uh, i mean even now like with cnn playing i'm thinking like okay maybe the protests are going to die down and no they started earlier today because of the curfews and all that yeah oh, i never thought of it from that perspective because um, so they start earlier because it, it yeah as the curfews come in uh, it seems to turn up the violence even more yeah, um, I mean, I'm definitely not condoning the the violence that's going on in the looting, but I guess historically, change has come from riots, you know, just in past history. And so I haven't had to like check myself. I don't know if you saw it on my Facebook page, but I've been to I've been to the Louvre in France. I've been to museums in, in Beijing. I've been to a museum in Cairo, Egypt. And, and I just thought about it. It's like when I go to these museums and they show like this different artwork, it's all stolen from riots. Saw you mention that. 
<laughs> so it's like, you know, I mean, I've spent money at, at going to these museums to see different things. And it's, it's a bunch of artifacts that were stolen from riots. And so I had to check myself and say like, man, I've contributed to, I mean, even though like the person who probably stole the painting, sold it to somebody else and sold it. And it's been probably sold, you know, multiple times over, but it is stolen artifacts. And so, um, and riots and, Stealing is part of what's going on in riots. And so unfortunately, it's just televised also. So look, it doesn't look like people are stealing art. You just see people stealing shoes and t-shirts and from high-end stores. So I'm not saying that it's right, but I just know that usually comes along with a riot. It is. I mean, it's aggression. It's people lashing mm -hmm. out at their society, at the things that's going on. And 2020 has been a, a boiling over point for our society as a whole, but especially here in America with the highest death rate from uh, COVID, especially to people of, of you know, African-American ethnicity. I mean, it's that the disease has targeted that group more than any other uh, from what we're seeing in the statistics is that, you know, it's just it's just very tragic. And you're seeing all this boil over into a lot of aggression and the way the rhetoric that's been you know, distributed out there by our, our current president and, and, you know, just fanning the flames and just, it's been tragic. It's been a sense of frustration. And while the, the looting and the violence is, is not something that we want to see, it's like you said, it's just something that often correlates itself. It's usually peaceful protests, but you'll see a segment of the population take out their frustrations in a different manner. Yeah, I mean, they were going crazy in New York last night. I, I've been standing up to like one o'clock central time just watching. And even more interesting is like in some cities, it's not being shown on the local news and it's only been on CNN. So some people aren't even really aware of everything that's going on in their city. But I just don't know when it's gonna end. I mean, I thought like, I thought, okay, maybe to slow down on Monday, then it, it just looks like it's still going on. I hope it doesn't get to the point where it ends up being like people versus the military. Yeah. And so I think that's what Trump wants. You know, he keeps using the word domination. And so even like the tweets that he posted today, he felt like DC was successful because they dominated the protesters. So I'm just kind of just amazed because I mean, you think about it, like we've watched the news and we've seen like the riots and the protests and the wars going on in the Middle East and like the Lebanons and the Israels. And even like when they have their, their protests and riots in like in Europe, but we never think like That's, that can happen here, <laughs> you know? And if it does, we may think like it may happen in one city but not every major city has had their own form of protest, some peaceful, but a lot of them have not ended peacefully. And it's been a shame. Uh, it's been a shame to see Americans turning on Americans. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's just been very troubling to see the people who we look upon to protect our society and our police are quickly in some occasions uh, just mistreating others. Uh, you know, we've already seen it that this was the stem of it. Was this was the root of it? 
mm-hmm. we're seeing it even now, each and every day, where police officers just the boiling over point has happened, and they're already striking out and lashing out against protesters, against journalists, uh, yeah. you know, which is also very troubling to me. And uh, you know, it just it's it's wrong. It's wrong on every level, and and there's so many mistakes being made continuously. We just don't learn from these mistakes. History has shown, as you said, you're talking about when you were going to the museums and seeing those artifacts, which were stolen in and of themselves. We mm-hmm. just don't learn. It just right there. It shows us right there that from history, we just don't learn from our mistakes. Yeah, and and I hope this creates a change, but I just don't know like how I think it may make people even more on edge because I mean, I'm, I'm a black man. I grew up in, you know, America and I've had times where I've been pulled over by the police. I've never had a situation where I've been, you know, handcuffed or, you know, had a gun to my face. So I, I haven't had those type of stories, but I have had times where I felt like, okay, am I, I know I, have been pulled over because they just wanted to pull me over to see if my paperwork or my license were legit. But I think everybody's had to go through that as um I mean especially as, as black men. I, mean, I think one of the things that once that kind of made me realize how how sad things are is I was working at a I was working for like an AU program a few years back and one of the one day they just decided to have like a class and it was a class on how to interact with the police if you're pulled over. And it was one of the coaches were saying, you know, keep your hand on the steering wheel, you know, talk to the cops, say I'm reaching in my glove box to get my registration. And just all the little steps that unfortunately we have to do to make sure that the situation doesn't escalate and we look like a threat. And so unfortunately, well, fortunately for me, I haven't had some of the same issues that some of my friends have had with the police, but you know, I, I know it's, it goes on. I'm aware of it. And, um, you know, there is a little bit of a nervousness that you have when a police car pulls behind you because as a black person, you may sometimes fit the description, even though it's not you. And so, then I also feel like just in the United States, we have this, at least as a black person, we may have this thing that we're supposed to fear the police. And um, there was a, a situation once when I was in Istanbul, and <laughs> it just showed me how different the world is. A, a police officer pulled um, the car I was riding over. I think it was like two cars, right? And pulled the car over. And then once they pulled the car over, they checked the guy's ID, and they were taking too long. So the guy got out of his car and approached the police officer that was back and I, I could just hear him going off and just yelling at the police officer. And I'm like, I can never do that in the United States. The minute I would have got out of my car, and I just think even regardless of race, but probably more so as a black person, the minute I got out of my car, I would have been seen as a threat and it could have ended totally different. So just those different experiences just make me realize that how different America is. And how much more we need to go to uh, mm-hmm. in, in where we need to be. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. 
Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmos Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. It's tough. It's tough, man. Tough to see, tough to watch every day. Like you said, it's been something that you're riveted to. I'm riveted to. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, each and every day we see it uh, and, and it continues to go on and continues to, in, in many ways, evolve in many ways devolve uh but over the course of the weeks and months hopefully we will see something i yeah. i mean think you and i have lived long enough in this earth that we're kind of skeptical on mm-hmm. if this is going to be something that we're going to see as a permanent change i'm going to be honest with you i mean charlottesville again like i mentioned rodney king so many things in between over and over and over and over again and i'm just hoping that we don't have to have this in two years and two years and two years from now. Yeah. And I'm hoping, I, I we can, I'm hoping we can finally take some steps towards the world that I want for my children. If there is one thing I would say, at least for me, and this is, I'm just speaking for myself, but if there's one thing I would say, that's a silver lining out of this, I feel like Trump has given people that are racist a platform to express themselves and every day on social media i see someone makes a comment that expresses how they really feel and it gets screenshotted people call their jobs and they lose their jobs so i think if there's a silver lining to this i think that's a silver lining is that there are some people who that thoughts that they've probably shared amongst their friends, but now they feel like they have a reason to share them out loud and on the public platform. And they forget that how costly it can be. And so they're being exposed and they are, you know, I've seen people backtrack and say, I didn't mean to say that. So I think that's a good thing. Like I would rather me personally have racism in my face than behind my back. I agree because so, uh, you know what you're dealing with. Yep. And yep. it's funny because, and it's, it's funny because you, we just talked about earlier about how we don't learn from our mistakes. Well, that part, even though in social media, we have seen umpteen thousand times when somebody posts something inappropriate, they get a backlash and they usually will suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. Obviously they're not learning from the mistakes and that's a good thing in this situation. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I mean, I'd rather have it in my face. I'd rather see, I'd rather like identify who the person is than to not know. And take the appropriate action. Take the appropriate action. Yep, I, I totally agree. So not a lot to say that's positive in this situation, but for me, that's a positive. At least, at least it's something, man. At least it's something. Yep. So we come to I, a point. Oh, go I wanted ahead. to say that I'm, I'm, appreciative and thankful for you know a person like like yourself that you have you have a platform with the lakers fast break and you're open to talk about and open to have these type of discussions so i appreciate that i mean a lot of people probably just don't want to talk about or don't know what to say not necessarily saying that they 
silence means they're agreeing with, with what is going on, but it's an uncomfortable conversation to have. So I appreciate you for wanting to use your platform to talk about it. Well, I, I thank, can I thank you for, for taking the time to speak to me on it? I mean, I'm, I'm 50 year old, 51 year old white man, and I've mm-hmm. seen so much of my life wrong over years and years and i've spoken out on various platforms i've spoken out before and it's you know it's nothing's been done nothing's been taken care of the satisfaction is not there the the way we should be treating each other should have taken place hundreds of years ago before you and i were born it's still not there yet and it hurts hurts a lot but uh you know we'll, we'll get through this we'll get through this yeah i think uh I'm hoping a change will come out of this. So the only thing you can really do is just be optimistic and hope so. Yeah. And you know me, I don't really like to go into the political stuff when it comes to either any of my shows. But there are those times, you know, like after the Las Vegas massacre, uh, you know, I I had to speak out. And, um, you know, when it talks about times like these, we have to speak out. And and there are certain times where it warrants uh, a show that supposed to be entertainment needs to make a statement because you cannot sit idly by and let these inactions you know let your inactions speak volumes and and this injustices that continue in our society need to be spoken out against and need to be dealt with and need to be dealt with like yesterday you know yeah that, and that's, that's why and that's why i feel like this situation is bringing stuff into the open the world is watching us now like we've kind of been exposed and and Things have been uncovered, and so, you know, I just think over years it's just been like a band-aid over, and you know, it's just been a band-aid covering it up. But now it's it's to the point where you can't cover it up with a band-aid. Like there needs to be open dialogue, and um, people on both sides need to just come to a a common ground on understanding, like. At the end of the day, we're all we're all humans. We are. We are all humans. And if you do want to make a difference, a positive one is in this world, you let your actions speak in November. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend. One of the things relating from this, and I spoke a little bit about it earlier, was the NBA and how it's dealt with situations like this and tragic, needless deaths that have taken place especially relating to this type of issue with George Floyd and, and so many of the other things previously that happened. I mean, we talked about it uh, earlier with Kobe wearing the I Can't Breathe shirt. And, and you know, when, when the NBA players all came out. and You know, Adam Silver, I give him credit for giving him stamp of approval and, and supporting it and even making a statement this week, you know, about what's going on. But I want to hear from you. I think more needs to be done. It needs to be more than just T-shirts. What can can the NBA do when they get back on the floor? Because it's going to become high profile on July 31st, if that's the ex, you know, because right now that's the the targeted date. So right. what happens on July 1st, 31st? What do you think you would like to see that would at least take it in a step in further into the right direction? That's a good question. I mean, I do think by July 31st. Or hopefully by July 31st, things have calmed down. I hope we're not in the same situation that we are in today. But I do think the NBA has done a good job of allowing the players to speak freely on social issues. 
So I think the NBA, like you said, is the best of the four sports when it comes to when it comes to like discussing social issues. I don't know if I can think of anything that that they could do that hasn't already been done. Could, do you think it could have, would have been done the same way Adam Silver's doing it uh, under David Stern's leadership? I'm not sure. That's a good question. But I think like the players today are more socially aware than the players yeah. that were. So I, I think that. that that makes a big difference because it seemed like maybe outside of like Jabbar, but it seems like maybe in the 80s or, or 90s, that generation of players didn't necessarily want to speak out because there was a fear of it possibly impacting your brand or, or your name. But I just think like the the guys now understand that yeah they 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 may lose some fans, but they're willing to risk that to use their platform to speak out on on how they feel. Well, let's hope there is a more positive change that comes about it. And the the NBA, when it does, hopefully, which we will hear more about here, uh, maybe later in the week. Uh, we're not mm-hmm. sure because uh, there's been a lot of announcements that have been postponed due to what's going on in our society right now. But mm-hmm. uh, with the NBA, if it does come back to a league, uh, and if it comes back to a season that starts up in July 31st, I'm hoping that they will take the steps necessary to make sure that people are aware that the NBA has not forgotten what's gone on right around now. Yeah. Yeah. I just, like I said, I can't think of anything that they can do that hasn't already been done. I mean, in my opinion, they're the only league that I can remember that has spoken out about past issues and they've handled it a lot better than the NFL, which is, it's, it's pretty obvious, but it's not even close, my friend. Yeah. Um, not not close at all. But now, I mean, I think some people are starting to understand what Colin Kaepernick was healing for. And I'm better, saying like police officers. Better late than never, I guess, right? Yeah. I just hate the fact that he pretty much lost his career because yeah. of it. But at the same time, I think it's admirable that he was willing to take that risk. He's someone who I feel like will be more appreciated down the line than he is today. And I think he's more appreciated today than he was last week at this time. So I think that, um, you know, going forward, I think people have, have a better understanding of what he stood for and, and what he wanted to address. As I said then, and as I say now, it's it's not that it, he is doing it because it is his given right. And many people have lost their lives so that he could go Mm-hmm. on one knee it's why he's doing it people need to instead of just immediately shut it off they need to have asked why is he speaking out why is he making a statement why is he going on one knee and people weren't asking that people didn't want to hear it people didn't want to see it people just didn't uh, a certain vice president wanted to walk out the room when had that happened it just it's something that you know it was there it was a message that was made and yes he was the first one to make it and you might not agree with everything Colin Kaepernick has to say, but that one statement, believe me, says it all. It said it all to me then, and it says it all to me now as far as it's concerned. It's, like you said, even more prophetic now than it was even then. Yeah, it's tough to be first. I mean, it, it really takes a lot of guts to be the first person to— Because he was a really good quarterback. 
Yeah, I mean, he went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that alone is not easy. And it's a similar, but like even with Royce White, you know, he lost his career. I mean, he definitely has other factors why, but he was willing to stand up and discuss mental health. And now, a few years later, the NBA and other professional leagues have actually done a decent job of addressing mental health. He he had to be the one to stand out and take all the hits for it. But I think once Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan mentioned their own battles with mental health, it kind of legitimized some of what Royce White was saying. I mean, people took it for granted. All oh, these guys make well, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars or Mm-hmm. Why should they be allowed to have those type of issues? Everybody yep. can susceptible to that. So, yep. I hear you, my friend. Some tough choices, and and uh, I'm hoping that the, the NBA will be at the forefront of those type of statements that need to be made to keep this issue in the mind's eye, so we can make a positive difference. And we can make a change for the better. Finally, start taking some real steps that are long overdue. Uh, I'm hoping, man. I'm hoping. I agree. Speaking of Adam Silver, like we were just a second ago, he is currently in the process of making an official, I guess, declaration to the other owners out there for them to decide 100% on which way they want to go. One thing I do like the fact is that he's kept the players and the players association involved in every mm-hmm. step of the facet of this or you know this organization of how the end of the season's done uh, i like the fact that he's kept them involved and kept them a part of the decision making process and he's spoken out to michelle roberts chris paul and said you know if i lean this way what, what would the players think if i want to do this what would the players think You've heard all the rumors. You've seen all the type of proposals from 1 to 16 to a group play to having all 30 teams. I mean, that's the latest, that small market teams are getting angry that it's not all 30 teams in there. We've heard the most likely scenario would be 20 to 22 teams. Uh, Mm -hmm. I found 22, that number right there would be kind of interesting. But I want to hear your thoughts on the different proposals and which one do you think would... I mean, there's no perfect scenario, but which one do you think mm-hmm. might fit the best? I'd be all for the play-in. I think that would bring a different type of excitement. I also think it makes sense to get Zion Williamson on TV as much as possible. Makes up for all those games he was injured and then yeah, New Orleans was on TV. They were on TV quite a bit. I mean, open at night, right? I, I think so. Open at night, yeah. Right now they're ninth. Ninth or tenth, I believe. But I think, like, yeah, I mean, the way, you know, right now the NBA probably wants ratings and they probably want to, because there's no sports on TV, and unfortunately the Grizzlies won't have the same appeal as Zion and the Pelicans or even, like, the Blazers. So I think it it makes a lot of sense to give those teams an opportunity to play. I would still love to see... Steph and Clay come back for Golden State. Well, that's just being selfish. I mean, I know it doesn't make any sense, any sense at all for for them. And then even KD and Kyrie. I'm not sure what the what's the latest on Kyrie's injury. Uh, I'm thinking KD can play. I'm just not sure Brooklyn will let him play. Same thing with Golden State and Thompson. 
I think mm-hmm. the the issue with Thompson is he he's probably healthy enough to come back, but they probably are just at this point saying, you know what, we're gonna save you for next season. Kyrie, I think, is the only one that would be in question. I think he, yeah. his issues are a little bit more longstanding. Well, I know he, I know he has surgery. I can't remember exactly March. when. I think it was March. Was it March? I think it was it March. Seemed, yeah, it just seems like there wasn't much of a March. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Um, I know I was back in the States, and I have been back since, like, February 1st. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just wishful thinking. But I would love to see those guys, even like John Wall. I mean, I, I think he should be healthy now. It's been over a calendar year. Even with KD, it would be over a calendar year. Yeah. So I would love to see those guys play just for selfish reasons. But I understand that it's probably going to be a short off season or second off season. And I think last I saw today, it's like, was it October 12th would be the last possible day? I saw that NBA? on a tweet, yeah. That just sounds so weird that the NBA's last game would be around about, the same time. Yeah, around when, three weeks around three weeks before a season would normally yeah, start. When they would start training camp. No, they would already actually be in training camp. Yeah. Because it yeah, usually so. starts around Halloween, the NBA season. Yeah, so they'd be in training camp by October 1st. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it would be, it would just be good to just have sports back on TV, yeah. especially with everything that's going on now. I think sports will be able to just kind of take some of the attention away. Yeah. From just, and hopefully this is the last major <laughs> issue of 2020. It just seems like it's just been coming back. It, it's it's something new every month. So having sports back, I just think will will give people a break from watching and hearing all the negativity on the news. It's been six months, my friend. There's still six months more to go. Yeah, it's hard to believe. It seems like this has been a two years. But as far as the scenario, like I said, I like to play in tournament. I definitely think that just starting with the playoffs. Or even just trying to have teams finish off however many games they have left to 70 would kind of be boring. So this adds a little spice to it. And I'm, I'm just looking for I'm just ready for the NBA to get back on TV. You and I both, my friend. I think they just need to throw out the window and chalk up the loss on the 70 games deal where they have to pay back the local networks. I think they should just go ahead and, and just toss that. I'm not in love with bringing back all 30 teams because if you're Golden State and Atlanta, the players on those teams probably don't even want to come back at this point. You know, they've already had a season where it's not been to their best interest. It's not panned out the way they have foreseen it, obviously, for both and for other teams that are in that lower, lower tier. Most of those players are not motivated, you know, outside of money, outside of financial incentives to come back and the only teams I would see really want that, that really want to have a play. I mean, like Damian Lillard said best, if I don't have a reason to come back, why should I? You know, if, if he doesn't yep. have a, a chance to get back into the playoff mix, uh, why should he? So, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see a playoff, play-in scenario, but I'd like to see it with 22, 24 teams, but not all 30. And uh, a group play deal scenario for me as a whole, I'm not in love with either. Well, for me, I'm kind of iffy because I'm thinking about 
all the guys on Golden State's roster that are still fighting for their spot in the league. Mm-hmm. So I imagine those guys want to play. Now Draymond and and Steph probably don't want to play, but they have a roster full of guys that are somewhat like fringe NBA players. The only reason they've had an opportunity to really get a chance to play this year is because of all the injuries. So I feel like I want to see those guys get an opportunity to at least play a few more games as opposed to, for their sake, not getting an opportunity to play. Yeah. And then I think, um, you know, even like a Cleveland, they may not need to play Love and Thompson, but they have a few guys. Like I think one of their draft picks, Dylan Windler, didn't really get a chance to play this year. I felt like Kevin Porter was having an opportunity to um, – I feel like he was starting to come along. So if in a perfect world, I personally wouldn't mind seeing all 30 teams. And then for some of those young teams, using the last few games as their summer league. It's like your summer league, you don't have your draft picks, but you're getting the chance to let your younger players play. I don't know how much, you know, they can show or, or, you know, you can really hold it against them if they don't look as sharp as you would expect. But I do think for some of those guys that are that are fighting to you know for their career, I, I would like to see those guys play a few more games. Similar to what we see every year in the last fifteen to twenty games, anyways. Anyway, yep. Like with the Lakers, I mean, Alex Caruso really came on in that twenty to twenty-five game stretch before the end of last season, which mm-hmm. got everybody excited about his future. And you see how it evolves from there. So you're right; it can work in that situation where a young player or a player who hasn't gotten much time gets that time and takes advantage of it. And we usually see that whether it's for improving their own status on their team or for improving their status or in the eyes of other teams that they know if they're going to be a free agent or for trade value or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. We see that all the time in those 20 games where you know players that have not gotten the chance and opportunity seem to do very well in that period of time. And like you said, if, if that was the case for some of those lower tier teams, we would, you know, they would get the chance and opportunity to go ahead and do that, but not in as much or many games fashion as probably they would like it. The showcase would be a lot less. Yep. I mean, like I said, it could just kind of be somewhat of a replacement for Summer League. That's true. Although we won't be here in Vegas, which would be a shame, you know, but we're going to have to get by, get to have to deal with it. But it'll be in that type of Orlando format that is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I can totally understand if you want to go ahead with a 30-team format. I'm just hoping that we'll get the type of buy-in from these players to go ahead and say, you know what, if we go to all 30 teams – that they're going to go ahead and be motivated enough to, as for the whole, for the for the most part, mm-hmm. to yeah. go ahead and and play basketball to the extent which we deserve to see and which we need to see at this point in time. Yeah, like I said, I don't think the stars will, but I definitely think the the lower level guys will want opportunity to play. But I'm still shocked that Orlando beat out Vegas. I felt like when they mentioned both cities, uh, they're just Orlando is a the runner-up, like the NBA has such strong ties to Vegas. Vegas is like the basketball capital of the world during the summertime, even though it's 120 degrees every time I go to Vegas for basketball. So I just, in my mind, I just felt like it's going to be Vegas. And I'm you should st- come now. It's only a hundred. 
<laughs> I'm not getting on a plane anytime soon. But, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> but yeah, I just uh, I'm shocked, and I never, and I guess I haven't done the research why they chose Orlando over Vegas because I think Vegas is opening back up this week. Yeah, right? it was. It's supposed to in certain places. It's been delayed because of what's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. I know my brother-in-law uh, works uh, high up with a major casino here in town and you know they were set on set date and they had to delay it because of what's going on but some of them were going to be opening up as early as this week in fact a lot of them were pointing towards to tomorrow Mm -hmm. the fourth as the days that they were going to go ahead and target so we'll have to see if that pans out but i had said before that the best place if you want to knock this out the best place to do it is vegas because you could have literally on six nba formatted arenas where NBA games have been played, or at least high-level college games have been played, you could have six going on at the same time. And then Mandalay Bay had talked about reformatting its whole convention area where you could, where you could have 30 different practice courts in the oh, same wow. area. So they had talked about it. They had preached all that. But the thing is, it's not in a 100% controlled environment. Because, yes, you are in hotels, and you can keep them in a certain hotel said hotel until you could bust them to like say up the street because we're only talking about a two mile radius for all these six arenas that can house these games within Mm -hmm. a two mile radius you could have six games going concurrently here in vegas but yeah i guess it wasn't a a good enough deal for the nba to go ahead and and say yes to and which is a disappointment for me obviously because i would have snuck in and tried to catch a couple and have sent you some text and said here you go man here's here's lebron but I guess they're also got to remember that the ESPN, ABC, Disney, oh. Love Fest is also there, and maybe that's part of the reason why. I understand that it would be more controlled from a virus aspect there because you could better gauge or better – I'm trying to find the more most appropriate words about uh, making sure people come in and out without – having the virus or if somebody has the virus it could be treated and handled better there because it's more closed off in that area i don't know if you've been to orlando that part and Mm -hmm. it branches off the highway it's almost like you go on a a set of freeways and you go on a set of freeway to disney world you go on a set Mm -hmm. of freeway to animal kingdom you used to go on a different freeway in a different path to the espn wide world of sports and, and that's something that could be handled and managed a little bit better, more effectively there. So I think that's the ultimate factor there is the safety for the players and their families that they're going to allow. Because I think the families, some they are allowing some families to go there. But it is kind of disappointing because just by the sheer number of games, you can knock this out really fast in Las Vegas. Yeah, I never considered the whole ESPN, ABC thing. I always just thought like, the NBA is so familiar with Vegas. <laughs> you see that dollar, dollar. <laughs> yeah, and then I just, I mean, I know both areas, their economy has just been decimated by what's yep. going on. But I, I don't know. I just always thought, like, the NBA has such a strong relationship with Vegas. But I guess ESPN won out on that one. Well, it's it's there and it's not there. You got to remember the All Star Game. Speaking of riots and speaking of things that went wrong, the All Star Game in Vegas so many years ago that I was know, there. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was bad for so many different reasons, and it left a it left a bad mark. Uh, David Stern, I think, was uh, commissioner at that time. He just yeah wanted nothing to do with Vegas, and they were using the old betting excuse of that and. 
as you saw Adam Silver he he started to work with the city and obviously because the city was becoming a, a premier hotspot for all these uh, summer league games and whatnot and it, it became something more I, I, I will agree with you 100% when we get an expansion team Seattle comes first I get that but I think Las Vegas needs to be considered especially because of the success of the Golden Knights here who's been outrageously mm-hmm. popular uh, so I'm hoping that someday, someday that will happen. If that's the case, then I think the NBA will finally fully embrace Las Vegas 100%. But, yeah, it was kind of disappointing to hear. But I know Orlando, because of those reasons for safety factors and possibly because a certain Bob at a certain company named Disney can get on the horn with Adam Silver anytime he wants and mm-hmm. you know, chew the fat with him, I think that you know, there may be some ties in there as well. Now, does the T-Mobile Arena have all the luxury suites that the NBA mm-hmm. wants in the arenas? Okay. Yeah. I haven't been to that arena yet. It's um, a beautiful arena. Beautiful arena, brand new. Yeah, I'm saying this on the air. Their bathrooms are the best I've ever been in any <laughs> any sports arena. And that's saying something. And, I, you know, you could take that as a joke any which way you want. But I'm, ta- I'm talking seriously. It's, they really did it right. Uh, it's, it's really a, a modern facility in every which way. And, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, the the Golden Knights have the tick, highest ticket prices right now in the NHL because they're the most desired right now mm-hmm. in the NHL, or at least one of. It's the success story, uh, and, and that they've had. And we fill out the games well, when we had games, you know, every time, you know, every time. So it's it's something that if it could be replicated on the NBA level, I don't know if the Raiders in a brand new football stadium are going to do the same. But I can tell you if an NBA team comes here, if they win, at least at a decent level, can can be a, a big attraction here in Las Vegas. But, yeah. See, I've always kind of wrestled with that because Vegas seems like it's such a Lakers town. That It is. It's that, me. <laughs> that it would be like, I mean, Lakers have a lot of home games on the road, but I just feel like that is such a Lakers town. It would almost be like, the Clippers East, in a sense, that you have to really put together a good team for the city to, this is just my opinion, but the city oh, to in, in embrace it. Because when the Lakers come to town, I'd see all yellow jerseys there. Oh, yeah. And, and there's, well, you know why? They do, the, the golden rule in Las, in Las Vegas when it comes to sports betting is don't bet on the Lakers. Bet against them because so many Lakers fans come from LA each and every weekend yeah. to bet on the Lakers. So, and right. I see it at summer league. I used to hate going to summer league, and I, <laughs> you know, back when before Lonzo Ball, like I, I jokingly say Lonzo Ball ruined summer league for me because I used to be able to sit, have my legs on the whole row in front of me, and you can move around. But when the lake yep. now, if you leave your seat, you might not get it back. Especially it was casual. Like, it was pretty casual back in yeah, the day. Yeah, you could shake hands and, and meet like different executives, but it's it's tough now. It all changed with Lonzo Ball, and you know the Lakers always get the last game. So about five o'clock, the place starts to fill up. So I just I don't know NBA team in Las Vegas. I don't know if the Bus family would like that <laughs> because that's that's their territory because do the lakers is a the local tv game mostly lakers well local TV? um you you yeah they we do have the lakers network out here with cox if you yeah. cox which is the predominant cables uh you know company here in town it it, it does have the lakers station for a reason so yeah yeah it is it <laughs> is lakers east it is lakers so, east but anyways 
but I, I don't think that should discount from from supporting a, a, a you know a Las Vegas team. But that's why I said Seattle would come first for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. I don't know if Mexico City and London is uh, feasible now yet. It may be at some point because of travel. If you're if you can find a way to cut down the travel time, I think that's that would probably work out. But your thoughts on that as far as expansion to outside okay. the USA, uh, outside of, you know, Canada, we saw with Vancouver and, and, you know, Toronto, obviously that that's one thing, but um, to Mexico city, to Europe, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, London is just not, they don't really care about basketball there. It's, I think it makes sense to want to expand to Europe and London is the closest place, but, it's soccer is or football is huge there. So I don't even, I mean, they don't even have like a team in London in the Euro league or the Euro cup. I don't even know if professional basketball in London is even a big, like I've, I've heard of guys going over there to play, but it's not a major league. So I, I'm not understanding why, unless that's their plan is to make it basketball popular there. I could see, Paris before London because if you think about it Paris and London are really only like two hours away so it wouldn't be that much of a difference as far as like logistically if you're going to go all the way to London then you might as well go to Paris in my opinion I think Mexico City they've had some success there as far as uh, you know with the games I'm just not sure how how that would work out either I mean I, I definitely would see them going to t- cities in the states before expanding outside of the country even though i think they really want to take advantage of the mexico city market because if i'm not mistaken is it the large second largest city in north america i know it's, it, it was i think the largest but i think if it's not the largest it is got to be in the top three yeah definitely so you definitely want to take advantage of that market if you're the nba yes absolutely and uh I hear you, and that would be something similar to what we've seen with uh, Canadian cities, where one has been success in Toronto, and unfortunately in Vancouver, it didn't quite work out, uh, and now we see it in Memphis. But I, I'd like to see something in Mexico City. That might work out a lot better, but you're right, with London and Paris, I, I still think need, more needs to be worked out. So Yeah, and I, I think, like, I wonder how much different would Vancouver have been if they were able to draft a marketable star like their draft picks were Bryant Reeves Bryant Reeves and then Steve Francis didn't want to go there and Toronto they had Vince and then they had T-Mac and I think that then Stoudemire so I think that made a big difference that they had a few young marketable stars in the infancy of their career why I just feel like Steve Francis killed the franchise when he didn't want to go there, and it just kind of gave the perception that nobody wants to be there. So I think that played a major role. And then also, it's so close to Seattle. Yeah. It's, it's just a shame because Vancouver is so beautiful. Um, I haven't you know, been just, there yet. I've just, I, from every time I see pictures of it, it just seems like a great place to, to yeah, you know, hang out a bit. I've heard but, good things about it, but I just haven't, I haven't had a chance to go to, really haven't had a chance to go to the Pacific Northwest. It's a beautiful area up there, my friend. Definitely indeed. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, listener. Dutch here from Voice from the Underground, the podcast. 
My co-host and I want to invite you to check out our little corner of the podcast verse. At Voice from the Underground, we talk about all the crazy happening around us and try to make a little bit of sense out of the nonsense with little to no results. If the idea of hearing three semi-intelligent, outspoken nerds talk about politics, social issues, current events, sports, movies, pretty much anything that we decide to talk about because, well, it's our show, appeals to you, grab your shovel and come on down to the underground and then consult a qualified psychotherapist. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, just not where you buy your weed. Boys from the underground. So before we end on out, I wanted to hear your thoughts. And again, thank you so much for your time. I'm speaking to Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Check out his great experience today. So before I hit him up with a surprise on the way out for next time we meet, I want to hear your thoughts on what's going on with NBA Draft Junkies. It, you know, once all the situations cool down a little bit, I know you've got some stuff planned to, to go ahead and pop on your site. Yeah, um, I'll put out my... Mock draft, second half, picks 15 to 30. That's done and completed. I just haven't uploaded it. Um, I just, there's more important things I feel like that's going on. But I think I'll probably upload it tomorrow, which would be June 3rd. So by the time this podcast is up, it, it should be online. Um, it was tough. I actually had to kind of look at the mock draft that we did. And it's tough because there's guys that you may feel like, I think he's borderline lottery that could easily fall to the twenties. So I have yeah. some surprise guys that end up dropping and I know I'm going to hear it. <laughs> I know people are going to be, are going to have a lot of opinions about why a couple guys fell so far on my draft board. And it's nothing against the guys. It's just kind of like the way it all worked out. So I should, I have that up uh, when this episode is, is complete. So that's what I'm working on. I have a couple guys that I um, that I, I'll do some videos for this week, and with the the way the draft is looking like now, Octoberish, <laughs> I'm gonna be struggling for. And I don't know if I just should, should start on 2021 prospects or, or what, but I should pretty much have videos for the top hundred guys on the draft board. Well, that's something to look forward to indeed, especially if you're a viewer. You need to follow NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. Subscribe, like his videos, subscribe it. He's really done a great job. I want to tell him on the air that ever since he went to a full commentary aspect of it as far as his videos, I think what in March, I'm looking Mm -hmm. on your videos in March, the way it details and breaks everything out down, it's, it's much better than anything else I see. Yes, Thank even you. from those 14-year-olds on YouTube, you know, they're out there. So your competitors, our competitors per se, uh, yeah. are out there. But yes, uh, the NBA Draft Junkies, you got to go ahead and check out his videos. Detailed breakdowns, just so much more. Uh, it's at NBADraftJunkies.com, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. And you'll see it popping up in different areas, including Tankathon, as far as the various mm-hmm. prospects. So definitely check it out indeed, NBA Draft Junkies. And speaking of mock drafts and speaking of checking out all that stuff investigating i would know all this because i've been doing a lot of research in the past few weeks because i was asked by laker tom of lakerholics.net uh some time back hey gerald you've been talking to all these great nba draft experts like rafael barlow stone hansen michael weisenberg etc 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 why don't you do your own mock draft so okay. I've been, I've got one in the works. I've already got my 30 laid out. I'm just finishing up on the descriptions of it. So I am going to debut it sometime within the next few days. 
So okay. next time you and I come on the air, I want you to check it out. And if you don't laugh too hard, if you don't die of laughter, per se, I want you to come back on the air and tell me what you think, and we'll go from there. Definitely. Well, one thing I can guarantee you is I won't laugh because I know how difficult it is to put together a mock draft. It's It was tough. I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, the, the lottery is maybe a little easier, but you really have to know your stuff from the second half because you may have to have watched anywhere from, I mean, I put like this 15 through 30, there's anywhere between 15 through 25 to 30 guys who could fill up, especially in this year's draft. I don't think there's much of a difference between pick 15 and pick 33. So for you to make a mock draft, you have to have spent quite a bit of time and, and at the end of the day, it's all your opinion, and you, you can't your opinion can't necessarily be wrong. So I'm looking forward to to uh, checking out your mock draft and and seeing how similar or how far apart we are on different players. So I'm always open to debate about draft picks and, and kind of have these discussions. So I'm really looking forward to it. I remember I wasn't a 14 year old. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine being 14. I mean, there's going to be some biases, but you're extremely biased <laughs> over, yes. I like this guy's uniforms, or, or you know, this guy yeah. dunks. The, he's, he's the best dunker in the draft, so you have him high on the draft board. I will say this, though. If I was 14-year-old at this time having YouTube, yeah, I would have done more Yeah, I definitely would have had a, a channel. I mean, the quality may have been poor, but I would have had a channel and... I mean, how lucky these kids are to have all these resources to have their own platform. So I'm a little jealous in that sense, but. You and I both. How do you think I feel? I told you I'm 51 and I still, you know, this stuff was never. I was just so glad to have Pong when I was a kid. <laughs> and look at these guys. So yeah, they, have, they have a lot of resources. They don't play outside as much, though. <laughs> yeah, that's, outside? What's outside? You know? <laughs> yeah. All their friends are online or on their phones, so. That part I am glad I did get a chance to get my knees scraped up and have a couple bumps and bruises from playing outside on the monkey bars. I feel like I just don't see kids outside anymore. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you what, my friend, it's been so great having you once again on the show, speaking out your opinions. And again, if you have any thoughts on what we talked about on today's show, please send us an email, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com. I'm on Twitter at LakersFastBreak. Raphael is on at NBA Draft Chunkies and at barlow 500 and also rafael barlow on facebook and all that please we'd love to hear your thoughts on what's going on we could we'll read them on the show how the nba is going to handle this type of situation and so much more and once i put out my mock draft you could rip me apart if you want to there as well i'm, I'm really looking forward to it hopefully you will be saying that <laughs> after you check it out but it's so great to have you on my friend i wish you nothing but continued prosperity and safety and i wish the same for this country as well and i hope we can all come together sooner rather than later from all of us right here at the lakers fast break podcast <laughs>